week. Let's get our people registered, okay? We need to be at 188 each church this Sunday. So at the end of the Sunday, when Jen Roosty or Judy, where's Judy Foster? Uh, you're such a sinner. Um, when, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, each church needs to be at 188, so let's be praying about that. So when Jen and G or Judy, whoever it is, is emailing me Sunday night, and Angie from West, we need to go to 188, so please, please, please don't forget. And we have a little, we have a great tool this week on your seat. Is this little forget-me-not? Uh, it's a prayer sheet, and we should be working this sheet, guys, of figuring out who we haven't asked and who we can ask. All right, so let's use this as, um, as a guide to help us as well. And then, um, how's our prayer chain going up to this point? Awesome. Our prayer chain, how's our prayer chain going, great? Okay, so who has tomorrow? Who has tomorrow? If you do not know you have tomorrow, that's a problem. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you who has tomorrow. It's Katrina and Courtney. And Shawnee, or Shawnee. So Katrina, Katrina, Courtney, and Shawnee. Okay. So do you guys all have this? I sent it out on CCB. You should have a copy of this. So everybody knows when they're supposed to be praying. Okay, cool beans. And then also Lauren and Nancy are also going to be praying tomorrow. I mean, I'm sorry. That's a lot. That was today. Hopefully you guys did that already. Or you do it tonight. Okay. Amen. Let's just keep this going. Okay, sisters. Let's um, make sure that we don't break the prayer chain. Um, just some information about Women's Day regarding the silent auction. Uh, so here's what you're going to want to do. You're going to. We have some incredible items. Like you see those stupid commercials on TV. They go, I got this iPad or this whatever yeah. Apple i6 phone for ten cents or something stupid. That's what time auction is going to be like, because except it'll be a few bucks. So the tickets, um, Davida and Charlene are going to be uh, hustling tickets at the silent auction. I have a little paper. I have a little And so you're going to want to bring some cash, because if you let's say you buy ten tickets and you put it in ten different things and you win, I mean basically you get you know a two hundred fifty dollar item or a hundred dollar item for you know ten dollars. So it's really cool. Anyway. Uh, and then just a reminder, parking is $5, which you're going to want to do. The smart thing I would do is go to the ballet, get the ticket, and tell them that you're with the Women's Day event. And then they will uh, direct you where to go, and then it's only $5. I would also get the early registration open to 9.30. The doors are going to open at 10.15, even though the program will not start until 11, because we want people there to be able to bid on the silent auction. Okay. And then we have a great announcement tonight. The Gibsons have um, graciously decided to help Shepherd in the Singles Ministry. So, great involved, great
very proud of that. We know what the first step study series designed to do to keep someone, uh, to help somebody become a disciple. Remember, the goal is discipleship and not membership, right? So tonight we're going to um, remember. So Gertrude now, Gertrude has done the word study. She's done discipleship. I just love the Bible. She did the study. She did sin and salvation. <laughs> she did the cross, so we're, we're, we're going to talk about the cross for a second, but she did the cross, and uh, and then she did sound doctrine, because remember she had her friend who, her friend who kind of challenged her on praying Jesus into, into your heart. Helga. Yeah. I love her. Helga? She's confusing me. Helga. Helga was confusing her. So Gertrude came and said, Helga's confusing me, so here's the scripture she gave me, and we did sound doctrine. And then what we remember about sound doctrine is that there's no other gospel, right? And then dealing, uh, we got to deal with false doctrine and false te teaching. And then even if you're stumped for a second, if you go back far enough and down far enough, if you read a scripture in context, even if you have to read the whole book of that segment, section, you will get your answer if it's read in context, okay? So, all right, so... Tonight we're going to talk about the cross just for a minute. Not because it's not important. Uh, it is the most important study in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but the only reason why we're just going to go over it is because it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, obviously the study objective is to be moved by Jesus' sacrifice to the point of personal surrender. Okay. Used to be if somebody didn't cry on the cross, you know, back in the day, then it was like, oh, they're not broken. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, I didn't cry on the cross. I was moved by the cross. But um, again, we're looking for a, a transforming heart. And I think I would say about the cross study is um, obviously you go through uh, the self-denial, the models by Jesus, and, um, and then I would remind them discipleship. Like I said, remember the discipleship study. And um, you know, I think it's really interesting to point out that Jesus was not excited to go to the cross. He asked not to go to the cross many times. Okay, that he only when he surrendered to God's will, because he loves us, uh, was he ready to go to the cross. And then we see the emotional pain, the physical pain, the spiritual pain. And then this is really important to watch KNN's The Cross video or movie, or The Passion of Christ, chapter 16, 20, and 27. If you do not have those, make sure that you have somebody prepare that ahead of time. Uh, because we are inside, we are such a visual um, people now that it, it's even more important than it was 10 years ago to do something like that. So and we are so um, hardened, I think, uh, blessed in a way, obviously, because we're brought up and born most of us in America. We're here in America. We have freedom of speech, freedom of religion for now. Um, but... Uh, with that comes a familiarity. Okay, like our brother that shared from China on Sunday, those churches are underground. Those people, the reason why they are playing volleyball games all the time and, and doing those things isn't just because that's one form of, that's the only way they can reach out to these people. And they have to build a friendship and a trust for many, 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 many months, sometimes years before they even ask somebody to stay in the Bible because they've been thrown in prison, yeah. beaten them. You know, yeah, execute. So, all right, so we become way too familiar. Um, 
And then at that point, we're asking them to read their letter to God. Remember, we asked them to do their sin study or a letter to God or whatever. We've got to draw them out. Um, ask questions of need. Help them to understand God's love and grace demonstrated at the cross. Um, Isaiah 53, we substitute their name um, or your name for you all familiar with scripture. You can look at it another time. But uh, it's important to do that just so we see that, you know, what what Jesus did, what God did, and is doing for us. And our sin without the cross, our sin will continue to keep us separated from God. Um, and then 2 Corinthians 5, obviously, we're giving our lives to Christ because of his love for us. And, uh, you know, and then again, the question is, are you willing to no longer live for yourself? And... The, the medical account, I prefer that it's read together. I don't prefer, I, I don't, I mean, we'll do it as uh, homework. Actually, I don't think I gave us homework. Maybe I did, I don't know. Um, but as far as in the study, I think it's probably a good idea to read the medical account. So you're just going to have to let the spirit move, see where you're at. And, um, It just seems to me like if there's questions and things need to be explained, it's fresh, it's right there, and you know sometimes you can get really moved by that stuff as well. Okay, so that's the cross study. Okay, so um, I want to say this in this study and all the studies. Uh, don't pull any punches, okay? You will do a huge disservice to God and to those that you're studying the Bible with if you pull punches in the study. What I mean by that is if you try to soften what the Word of God says or soften the study or if you take shortcuts, you will hurt people. Um, Because here's the thing. If you end up baptizing somebody who has not counted the cost, and, and especially the church study, a lot of times brings up a lot of um, worldliness. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about giving. We're talking about giving of ourselves. We're talking about being committed to the church, giving of our time, sacrifice. And if you pull punches, you're gonna that person is going to suffer later on. Yeah. And it may leave the Lord over it. So... You can set people up for failure by giving into sentimentality and fear. Mm-hmm. So let's not let's not do that. Um, all right. Before we get started, I wanted to caution you, and then I want to caution those who, and I want to caution those who are in the habit of not seeking first the kingdom. And what I mean by that is not just people that are missing tonight. Obviously, you know. There were several people emailed me or called me, let me know they weren't going to be here tonight. There are some people obviously have really good reasons for not being here. Um, but I'm talking about people who are in the habit, who are in the habit of missing movies and Sundays, and those who don't give or who are on the fringe. And we need to be, we need to warn them, sisters, lovingly, and call them back to repentance. Uh, I think you know. Some have fallen into the habit of treating God's body, treating his church, like it's an extracurricular activity, like it's a sporting event or a hobby or a book club. 
And we all need to be reminded to call back to our first love. Um, can somebody read Revelations 3, 14 through 22? Go for it. Can you stand up and read that? Revelations 3, 14 through 22. Okay, so we know that this is written to people who have already been saved, and this is Jesus. This is Jesus calling his people to repentance. Okay, people that have become lukewarm. And there's a professor of sociology at Notre Dame recently coined a phrase that I think is spot on. He says, the main religion of the Western world, that's us, today is moralistic therapeutic deism. What that means is that God serves as a combination of a divine judge, butler, and therapist. There's this idea that God is distant and removed from our day-to-day reality, but every now and then, this God will reach into reach in to fix some of our problems. God exists to meet our needs or to make us feel better about ourselves. And I think we've got to remember that, and I, and I know, I've been on both sides of the fence, okay? Full-time in the ministry, self-supporting in the ministry, not in the ministry. Um, the years we were self-supporting, our kids were, you know, junior high and high school. Very active, active, crazy years. Um, but we just, we can't make excuses for not seeking first kingdom. We cannot make excuses because it will take us out yeah. spiritually. Yes. Okay. We can't make excuses for pulling back in our giving. Okay. Not tithing. Being inconsistent. Okay. Nobody here is on commission. So somebody's baptized, nobody gets an extra paycheck. Right. Somebody gets more on their tithe, nobody gets extra, you know, a few bucks in their account. What? Wait, what? Bottom line is because God says, because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. I believe wholeheartedly because of what Jesus said. And if you were in the habit of not giving, you will leave the Lord. Yeah. Even if you don't physically leave, you may be one of those people that we read weeks and weeks ago in Matthew 27. Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and in your name? Okay, sisters, this is super important, and you got to share this with the sisters that are not here tonight. Amen. Okay, hopefully we love each other enough to speak the truth. Yes. Okay, we've got to speak the truth to each other in love. Again, I don't get a bonus. I don't get a whatever. Big pat on the back. There's nobody here. There's no super region or geo region. There's nobody telling us what to do. Only people tell us what not to be like the Mujis. Um, and the other elders. 
line. <laughs> but this is a conviction that comes from the Word of God. Okay? If you pull back and seeking first the kingdom, you are going to leave God. Think about somebody right now who is in here that was here two years ago. Wow. I guarantee you they got in the habit of not seeking first the kingdom. Yeah. And so when we decided to make Jesus Lord of our lives, you and me, we joined a movement. Not a club, not a fraternity, but a movement of God's redemptive, restorative, healing history. God is in the business of reconciling all things that are broken in this world. He's in the business of reconciling to him. Amen. And we, God's people, get to be part of it. We get to be at midweek. That's what I don't think people get. Yeah. Okay? We have an incredible yeah. blessing that we get to be at midweek. We yeah. have the incredible blessing of getting to give. Amen. Yeah. Do you know what the brothers and sisters in China would do to have time to meet together like this and yeah. for midweek? Again, do not let our American society soften you. The Bible is the Bible. The Word of God is the Word of God. We have got to pay attention to it. We need to be ready and willing to take a, an assessment of where we're at and then handle the result of that assessment as Jesus would. Ask those around you. Ask me. I would be happy to tell you. Am I lukewarm? Sister, do you think I'm lukewarm? Am I drifting? And then go and work out your salvation with fear and trembling as it says in God's Word in Philippians 2. 12 so with that, let's get to start the church study. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for our time together here tonight. Thank you that your word does make it clear. Thank you that we get to have fellowship with one another. We get to have church together, all together on Sunday. We get to have our midweek services and our family groups. We're in that season. And God, we get to give to you, God. You know, God, that when we get to make disciples, we get to sacrifice our time to save the Bible people, we get to open our homes, God. It's all an opportunity to serve and to love you and to show the world your love. God, I pray that we would see people and see our neighborhoods and see our children's schools, see our workplaces as you see them, God. And that we would have that same heart. That as you looked over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how you long to hold you in my arms. God, give us that heart. I know I am so far from that heart. I do not love people like that. I want to have that heart, God. I pray we love one another that way, that we would love all your people, the lost and the saved, God, enough to sacrifice ourselves. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's look at the church study. So, the, the objective is to see how committed to God's plan for his church. Okay, so... Gina, can you read your scripture, please? Colossians 1, 15 through 18. So sisters with the scriptures, let's be ready because we are on a short time here. Okay. 15 through 18, right? Yeah. Okay. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Okay, so this is really awesome. We all know this. So uh, Gertrude um, actually studied the Bible with us like every day. She was super eager, but then 
when we got to the church study, she decided to take a detour and for a whole month started visiting other churches. Because okay. uh, she wanted to see what other, well, why don't you explain it, Richard, what you did? Well, I never heard of this one church or just the fact that church was so important in that way. So I went to other churches to see what they said about being a disciple or how to become a Christian or how to belong to a church and stuff like that. So I did a lot of altar calls and, you know, I went up to every church. I went during a week just to see if they want to study the Bible with me or not, or I could just show up and be okay with that. And what did you find, Richard? None of them really called me to hold to the Bible or there was, you know, there was going to be no one in my life to you know, help me or support me or it was just, I could show up and that was good enough. So. And this is a true step story. Tabita did this. Tabita studied every day and then took a detour for a month. So, that sounds surprising. <laughs> but she had the character to come back. That's right. That's what I love. I'll take that every day of the week, right? Okay. All right. Um, so, obviously, we know the things to ask here to talk about the church is the body. You can even talk about, remember, we did the kingdom study, you know, the kingdom is God's church here on earth. Okay, so, and Christ is the head. And the church, this is interesting. The church's function is to fulfill the desires of Christ here on earth. So, wait a minute. The church's function isn't to, isn't to fulfill my desires? Are you kidding me? The church doesn't exist to meet my need? What? Are you kidding? That is a shocker. <laughs> The church obviously does end up meeting our needs because we are the church, right? And if we love each other the way God calls us to love each other, like I'm super proud of the Casillas group. Although I had about 34 text messages, <laughs> which was okay. It was awesome. I'd rather that than not have Right. The Casillas group, man, they got on it about getting these guys meals, meals for the dad. I mean, all the communication back there. I'm so, there were so many, I'm confused now. I said, can somebody just send me a a day to plan. Give me a summary so yeah. I know what I can do when. I mean, it was like, bam, bam, bam. I didn't even have a chance to sign up. Wow. So, I mean, I'm going to sign up when I figure out and open it tonight. When I, I saw that somebody, Andres, or yeah, Martha, sent me their calendar, Google calendar. <laughs> and so, uh, so our, our needs do end up getting met. But if that's our desire or heart, I don't know about you, but the church isn't heaven. Okay, I do think this is the best place on earth. I don't think Disneyland is the best place on earth. No. Maybe second best. But the church is. But the church is not perfect because we are all in it. All right? And it's not supposed to be heaven. Amen. Um, but hopefully it gives us a glimpse of, of love and fellowship that we get to experience in heaven. But the church exists to fulfill Christ's desires here on earth, not our own. So let's just make note of that. Ephesians 2, 19, Sandy Ketch, and 21. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Okay. So obviously the church is the family of God, and um, so Gertrude, what does it say the foundation is? The Bible. Very good. The apostles and prophets. Okay, where do we find the apostles and prophets teaching? In the Bible. Jesus is the cornerstone. Where do we find Jesus teaching? In the Bible. The red letters. 
The red letters, there you go. <laughs> um, and a cornerstone, for those of you that don't, well, Karina, you can explain to us what a cornerstone is. Can you explain it, Karina? Yes. Explain yes, what a cornerstone I can explain is. what a cornerstone is. So a cornerstone is the very first stone laid back in the day. And um, like when they were going to build a building, they had to lay the cornerstone as the very first stone, and every wall and everything was measured off that cornerstone. So if it was skewed or if it wasn't in the right spot, then the whole building would be twisted or you know wouldn't be right or measured correctly. So it's the very first stone, everything's measured off that stone. Okay. And then, um, you know, obviously there is no physical temple. If you did the kingdom study with them, which would be great, they will understand that God dwells within us. Within the church is a living organism. It's not a building, which is always good, especially if we don't have a building. At least right now we don't. Um, but I would say, yeah, this is a super important to touch on. Make sure the foundation is the apostles and prophets. Nothing added to it and nothing deleted, okay? There is no other secret doctrine or another doctrine or the book of Jacqueline or anything, right? Okay, it's just the Bible. Okay, Betty, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, please. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Okay, so what do you see here, Gertrude? What is what one word is repeated again and again? One. One. Yes. Gertrude <laughs> <laughs> is so honest. Smart girl. She is. Gertrude pays attention. So God expects unity on these foundational issues. Okay, the one church. It's God's plan. It's not our plan. It's God's plan. What thousands of denominations? God never. Uh, set himself up to be divided, his body into pieces, okay, and pieces and pieces, you know, all over the place. Uh, it's one church, and that one church will look like this, okay, that one church will be disciples. So it's funny, sometimes when I go, when people said, oh, you know, well, I, I'm not leaving God, I'm just leaving the church, I think, well, then you're going to have to go around the church just like ours, because if you're going to be a disciple, which is what the Bible says, if you're going to stay faithful to God, you're going to have to go someplace just like this. And guess what? I always found in my knees somewhere and go to a place that I had the same problem because I, I went with myself. Yeah, well, and there so, it is. And, and obviously, each church has its weaknesses and its strengths. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if we're looking for a perfect church, it's not going to happen once no. again because you and I are in it. Yeah. And it is not. It's not meant to be heaven on earth. And because we're sinners, it is not... You know, it's basic. This is as good as it gets. Look around. All right? This is it, guys. Hopefully, we love each other a lot and give each other a lot of grace and mercy. All right? We are plan B. All right. Okay. Um, you may need to, if you've already done sound doctrine, you may, or let's say you haven't done sound doctrine, you may need to touch on a few of the denominations. You should have that study in your seat that a ton of you asked me for last, last week. What did the early church believe and teach about salvation? Matter of fact, if you're not doing something specific for your quiet time, pull that little pamphlet out right now. It's like four or five pages. This would be great to work through your quiet times in the next couple of weeks. Okay, you will learn a lot um, about the, we're talking about the anti-Nicene fathers, the first 300 years of the church 
after the Bible. And you will see what they continue to believe, what they were taught, and then what their, the, the people that came after them were taught. It's the, it's the same. Okay, but it might be, it would be really good to get familiar with those things. So you may need to touch on that, the different denominations, and maybe some false teachings, false doctrine right there. I probably wouldn't touch on it too much because there's enough in the study, but make an assessment right there whether or not you think that virtue needs to do sound doctrine for the next study. Okay. Okay, so relationships in the church. Courtney, can you please read 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27? Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all, all its many parts form one body, though it is in Christ. But we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, but we were all given from one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made from one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But if, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, they are a main parts of one body. The eye cannot place the hand. Okay, so Gertrude, how does it say we enter the body of Christ, the church? Well, <laughs> um, baptism? Yes, baptism, exactly. <laughs> we enter the body, we become part of the body through uh, baptism in Christ. So, and this is awesome. It says we need each other and we celebrate our different strengths. Okay, I don't know if that's true all the time. Okay, <laughs> I can think of a time where I'm sure there are people who haven't celebrated my strength, and I'm sure there are times I haven't celebrated some of your strengths. <laughs> Especially when I'm being called out on sin. You know, when it's, when it's somebody else's strength. Like, there's a brother in the church, his strength is evangelism. I, he is so strong on evangelism. And, uh, and I appreciate that, and I love it, but at the same time, sometimes when he calls me out on evangelism, I'm like, Okay, well, what about, how's your organization, bro? How's your, you know, I don't say that, that's not my mouth, but I'm tempted to be, you know. So I don't know if that's totally true, but I'd say we strive, right? Yeah. We yeah. strive to celebrate our differences and our strengths. At the very least, I think we can say we respect each other's strengths. Amen. Okay. And we do rejoice with each other. Amen. When, when we rejoice, when one rejoices, and we do, uh, Mourn with one another. Yes, we do. So, it is an amazing thing to be part of this spiritual family. And I have some really, really great friends in the world. There are there are really good people in the world. Yes, yeah. right. There are. I know yeah. some really good people. Um, and I love being with them. I love spending time with them. 
But there's always this run, I don't know, it just doesn't, it can't get to that deep level of that spiritual connection ever. There's always something missing in that relationship. And, you know, we need to appreciate that about one another. That there is something that God does when he brings us together as all nations. I mean, I don't know if you saw Sunday. I'm so proud of our church that Jesus says go to all nations. He didn't say to go to the white folk. He didn't say to go to the African Americans. He didn't say to go to black folks or Latino folks or the Asian He said to go to all nations, everybody, right? I love that about our church. Amen. And, um, because that's what the Bible would look like. And we're all made in God's image. So it's almost like you say, you know, get all, all my little Jesuses, all these different nationalities, all these different life stations or whatever. And this is what God looks like. And it's really amazing. And um, so just as part of your physical body cannot survive alone, Gertrude, we need connection to each other and the body to survive spiritually. So Gertrude, what would happen if you cut off your hand? It would hurt. Okay, it would hurt first. <laughs> that's true, it would hurt. Would, it, would that hand be able to survive without you? Only for a few hours of ice, but not really. You're right. Only for a few hours of non-ice. <laughs> right. Maybe for reattachment purposes. Okay. But we all know, those of us that have studied the Bible, we know. Okay, obviously, we can't live without each other. We get separated, and we get, you know, too much worldly influence in our lives, and guess what? Yeah. I just know what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was really easy when we were self-supporting, and I went to my office every single day, Provincial California Realty, with all these awesome, fun, great, nice people. But there were also struggles there that you know that were pulling at me to you know mine for my time and my energy and whatever else. So. We need to have a conviction about being together with each other. Okay, Maureen, Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Okay, so Gertrude, what, we, what is the Bible warning us against here? What are we to guard against? Are you believing part? Yes, a simple, unbelieving heart. Um, See the slide? Oh, sorry. Here, Gina, why don't you do it? What would you just want that? It's fine. It's very rubbery. Okay. We should really put those on like a bouncy ball. Um, so what do you think that Gertrude, what are some of the things you think is you are, you know, would you become a disciple? Where where do you see maybe there being some struggles for you to guard against sin and unbelief? I think maybe some of the relationships that I have, you know, people who I know who do I grew up with who are, you know, good people and they go to church but they still live a certain life. So I would, you know, have to guard against that, really being uh, pulled in that direction. I would probably also, I also need to really guard against um, just lying, you know, image and wanting to, you know, people please and be a certain way. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that, um, you know, when, when 
we shared our sin. Remember how I said that I was really struggling with trusting God that He was going to take care of me whether I ever got married or not. And so, you know, I think that, or, and or now, whether my unbelieving husband will ever become a disciple. And so I think those are times where it's hard for me to, I struggle with unbelief. And, you know, really believing that how could God say he has the best for me when these are the desires of my heart and never given them to me. This is a real issue, sisters. And, and I think that we got to really rally around our single sisters. Amen. Uh, I don't think marriage is the answer, but that's easy for me to say because I'm married, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. I know it's a huge struggle because I've talked with single sisters. Mm -hmm. And I know that some of us who are married struggle being married. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm saying we need to be, so here's what I would say. All the married sisters here, we know brothers in other ministries, especially been around a long time. Let's make sure we're looking out for our sisters at the very least. One, pray for our single sisters that God protects them and watches out for them, okay? And then he gives them the strength to ward off Satan because we have incredible single sisters in this church. And, you know, there are men asking them out in the world. Yes, they are. And we're working on our single ministry right now. So we need, we need to save the mail campaign. That's a whole other story. We're going to do that. So we're going to talk about that. That's coming in soon. Um, and then be on the lookout, you know, for brothers that you think maybe you could, uh, and as you get to know some of the single sisters better, as we start bridging more of the gap between the singles ministry and the marriage ministry, you'll get to know certain sisters, and then it'll click and go, oh my gosh, this sister would be great with this brother. Okay, and then we, we need to start thinking that way. We've got to protect each other. Yes. But these are real struggles. Women with non-Christian husbands, single moms, huge struggle. Yeah. Okay. Married sisters. When we are in bad marriage relationships, and when we feel hopeless, that is when Satan comes in, the guy at work starts paying attention, okay? I, and I have never seen, in 24 years as a disciple, I have never seen so many divorces as I've seen uh, in the part of our church in this region in the last few years. And most, well, all of it, because of lack of one-on-one -on -one disciples. Because people would not make discipleship a priority in their marriages. You have to make it happen. Don't make excuses. Let's say sister so-and-so is a derelict, and she's my discipleship partner. Okay, she's discipling me, but she doesn't make it happen. Okay, I can't wait for sister so-and-so. Yeah. If I keep asking her and she won't do it, and things keep falling through the cracks, and guess what? Can I even go to talk to Jacqueline? It says, hey, sister so-and-so is supposed to be discipling me, but it's not happening. Okay, and then we need to take care of the situation. In the meantime, then I'm moving on to Sister Dessa, who and her husband said, hey, can you disciple me and my husband? Because guess what? We're not getting any disciples. Mm -hmm. All right, so it's that crucial, sisters. We've got we to gotta be there for each other. That was a tangent, sorry. All right, Hebrew. Um, uh, oh, yes, and get and give encouragement how often daily. Hebrews 10, 23, Tisha. 10, 23, 25.
Okay, so it says pretty much the same thing. So what does it mean to hold a swerving labor tree? What do you think that means? To not let go, to not sway or go back and forth. Exactly. To, to hold unswervingly, to not get off track, to stay the course. What does it mean to spur one another on? Well, I do like riding horses. Okay, so Mercy <laughs> likes riding horses. So I know the spur gets the horse going. Ah, so. the spur gets the horse going, yes. Do you have to kick the horse really hard to get it going? No. Okay. So the, a light tap goes a long way. Right. A light tap goes a long way. Unless you have a really stubborn horse. Well, <laughs> well we don't have any of those in here. No. So, but again, uh, and let, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The habit is something we do more often than we go to. Okay, 2 Corinthians, or as much as we go to. All right, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15. Lucy. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Okay, so what kind of relationships does God want us to have with those outside the church? I don't think he wants us to have those. He says, be with <laughs> That's good, that's good. That's good. It says not to be with unbelievers. Okay, well, it says not to be yoked with unbelievers. Okay, so do we know what a yoke is? Okay, not an egg yoke, but a yoke. Go ahead. Stand up. Hold on. Exactly. That's a yoke. So. A yoke is, like she said, that piece of wood, like in the olden days, that, you know, would keep two, and they would usually, what they would do is they would have an older trained horse, okay, or oxen, whatever, oxen, with a younger oxen, and then that one pushes it along and teaches it how to plow with it. So that's what they would do, and then that one would be trained, and then they would put that one in that spot, and then they would put another one that wasn't trained. So that's what it means to be yoked together. So it doesn't mean we're not going to have relationships or friendships in the world. How can we help seek and save the lost if we did that? That's not going to happen, right? But it means that we're not to be yoked together, to join together with them. And then this is a good lead-in to talk about dating and other things uh, in the church. Um, I know that we're not going to technically find a scripture that says, do not date a non-Christian. But that's because they didn't date. Okay, They, they actually were pledged to one another. <laughs> And if we historically go through, which we don't have time to do. But the bottom line is we're supposed to marry a disciple. Okay, if that's what the Bible tells us to do. And again, we don't have time to get into it. I'm going to ask Steve to write a dating study. I don't know, does Steve have a dating study? There's not a disciple who would marry a priest who would Okay. Okay, that's great. Um, because I think this is a really important time uh, to talk about it. Uh, I'll tell you what. There are, well, yeah, sisters, I've seen this go wrong so many ways when women take this into their own hands. So I would definitely touch on it, find out about the dating situation, talk about marriage, who a disciple marries. If you're not going to marry somebody who's not a disciple, why would you date somebody who's not a disciple? I don't really understand that. So, all right, that's all.
whole other study, and I'll be happy to do that with the um, with all of you if you want me to another day. All right. I think I see the point because if you say the oxen leads one leads the other, then that means someone someone's leading someone. So if I don't if I want to be led a certain way, then I need to be paired with the opposite direction I want to go, not a different direction. Yeah. Okay. Not Gertrude. Is that what you mean, Jackie? That's exactly what you took the words right out of my mouth. She's leading her own study. Yeah, step it up. Okay. What she said is here, come stand right here. Speak up, Gertrude. I can speak loud. You can be loud. Okay, be loud. So I was saying that if, if we use the example that the one oxen leads and trains the other oxen so they can go in that straight path, if I want to go in a certain path, I need to be paired with an ox that's going to lead me on that path. So if I, you know, if I don't care where I go, then I don't even have a yoke. But <laughs> if I do care, I want to be partnered with an ox that's going to lead me on a certain path. There you go. So if we're yoked with unbelievers, okay, guess where we're going to go? Are they going to lead us? And the way Jesus wants us to be led, no. Amen. All right. Amen. Contributing to the church. Ooh, here we go. Malachi, or I like to say Malachi. <laughs> Malachi 3, 6 through 12. Paul that. shows our heart to to give to be a you know to contribute to the just as he contributes to us to give the way he gives to us. Do you think God needs our money, Gertrude? Do you think if we don't give our money, God's not going to get the job done? No, he, he's going to do it with and without us. Right. So then, again, this is an opportunity to talk about we have the privilege of giving. Okay, it's what it does to our heart. It's for us. It's not yeah. God. God does not need our money. Okay. It's for, it's for us, what it does to our heart, sacrifice. Okay, I love the scripture too. I always do this when we talk about giving. Matthew 23, 23 through 40, or whatever I said, Gina. Can you read that? I think 23 to 24. I think yeah, you said a whole much longer. Yeah. 
Matthew 23, 23-24. This is Jesus rebuking the Pharisees. Okay. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. All right, so uh, what is Jesus saying here, Gertrude? That it's, it's more, you, you have to like actually do what you say in a sense. We, we want to give, we give, but we don't give um, of our of our plenty or of what we of out of our what we have kind of thing. We give the extra lesson. Right. And I think the issue here was these guys were, you know, the Pharisees, they were great at giving a tenth. Okay, they measured it out. Okay, they didn't have, you know, they gave so much so I mean they gave not just a tenth of their earnings, they gave a tenth of every slice that they grew and every, you know, every little bit of what they grew. I mean they had it down. But what Jesus is calling them out on is heart issues right here. But he doesn't say you shouldn't do the other. He says you should practice the latter without neglecting the former. And it's a heart issue. And Jesus calls them blind guides. Why? He calls them blind guides for not practicing justice, mercy, faithfulness, and also giving a tent. So, again, it's my uh, conviction. But I always share that scripture because I think when, when, some, when Jesus says you should do something, I think we need to say no to that. Yeah. All right, Matthew 6, 19-21. James. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where the moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. Okay. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. I mean, to me, that sums it all up right there. Okay, where we invest ourselves, not just money, but where we invest of ourselves, that is where our heart is. We have a ministry, or we had a ministry uh, in the region for a while that for a few years, that Steve and I were very, very concerned about because half the members, literally 50% of the members, we're giving zero or five dollars. Okay, what that tells me, and it wasn't a ministry that we oversaw at the time, and we kept talking to leaders, kept talking to leaders, kept talking to leaders, and we're seeing the result. We've seen the results of this in ministries before. Um, again, nobody's getting a bonus if all these people raise a contribution. The bottom line is our concern was. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Yeah. Okay, these people aren't going to be here for the long haul. Yeah. These people aren't going to stay faithful to God. It's not about showing up to church. Okay, again, there are going to be people, plenty of people to stand before God that show up to church every day of their lives. But if they were not disciples, live as disciples, Jesus says, not Jacqueline, not church policy, but Jesus says, Away from you, evil doers, because you didn't do the will of my Father. 
And I think that's where we've got to be, again, it's both sides. It's the heart and it's the, it's the, the physical and monetary sacrifice. It's, it's the heart. And obviously, God wants us to be cheerful givers. 2 Corinthians 2, 6 through 8. Valerio. Remember this. Whoever sells sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sells generously will also reap generously. Each of you should get what you have decided in your heart to get, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound, abound in every good work. Okay, so I don't know how much Steve and I have given over 24 years. I know we've given a heck of a lot of money. All right, I don't even want to know. I don't want to add it up in my head. Um, I can tell you that God has blessed that sacrifice, not monetarily. <laughs> okay, there were times he blessed us monetarily. But he, we have won the lotto. Okay, you have to play the lotto to win the lotto, but regardless. Okay. We have not been blessed, you know, like in this huge monetary way. We've never gotten this awesome inheritance. I don't know why God blesses people with money and others without. I don't really know. Maybe I can handle it, whatever. But the point being is that, but I can guarantee you that as we are sacrificial with our time, with ourselves, giving to one another, you know, when we're tired and don't want to study, we study with somebody, because we've worked all day and you come home and all you want to do is snuggle your little kid, right? And then you put them to bed at 8 o'clock and now you're going to be in the study and you have to get up at 5 in the morning. Okay, when we do that, God takes note. He blesses us. He does. And I don't know about you, there's nothing like watching somebody change in the studies. Right. There's nothing more exciting. I don't care. I can think of my favorite Christmas time as a kid. And like freaking out over my gift. There is nothing like studying the Bible with somebody and watching them, their lives transform, Amen. and seeing their heart change, and then seeing them get baptized. Yeah. I'm sorry, there's nothing like it. No. You can't buy that. You can't. If we could bottle it and sell it to the world, we would be books. Yeah. But you can't do it. And God blesses us. And 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 again, we gotta remember that we. We are doing these things, and we need to be doing these things out of our love for God, not out of compulsion, any of it. But I've heard people go, well, my heart's not there, so it's not going to do it. Uh, no, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches us. I don't think that's what God's means. Sometimes we have to obey, mm-hmm. do the acts of the disciple, right? Mm-hmm. I had this woman I studied the Bible with for a long time, very, very, very sharp woman. She studied for seven years. And then, maybe it was nine years, seven years. And so finally, I said, we're not studying with you. Um, you seem to come to church, and I want you to live as a disciple for six months. I don't care whether you get it or not. I want you to quit sitting in the back room. You need to sit in the front room. I want you to hug people. She didn't like hugging people. She didn't think people in the church were cool. I said, well, there are a lot of cool people in hell. You have problems in there. And um, so, seriously, I said that. And seriously. Yeah, well. You're going to be probably hot people there. Right. So, anyway, she, and I said, you seem to do the acts of the disciple. And she did. I even had her sit studies with people. And I'm telling you, God changed that woman's heart when she started living, actually living yeah. as a disciple. Yep. 
And sometimes it takes us obeying first, and then our heart changes. Yes, that's right. I kind of tend to be that type of person. I just have to make up my mind to do it, and my heart follows. I don't. I wasn't all ooey gooey, gushy like. I mean, I was so grateful that God was forgiving my sins, but even that was about me still. Okay. <laughs> so I was really excited to get baptized and excited to become a disciple, but. It was really more out of an act of obedience. It wasn't because, it was because I respected God and loved him just enough because of what he did for me to obey him. And then the heart followed. Some of you have better hearts than that. I, I appreciate that about you. Some of you wake up and you're spiritual. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. It's kind of like the skinny people that can eat whatever they want. Good for you, sister. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, giving should come from a cheerful heart, not under compulsion, and God blesses when we sacrifice. And again, the bottom line is giving is between you and God. I will tell you this though. Periodically, the elders and the evangelists look at giving. They look at it, and I'm going to tell you why. They look at it, and when I have to look at it, I will. Because he says, you need to look at this because you need to talk to the sister who's a pastor. Because it's an issue of shepherding your heart. It's no different if somebody's missing church all the time. I'm going to talk to them about it. It's, we can't be afraid to talk about money. We cannot be. It right. shouldn't be taboo. I mean, it's what God calls us to. So, again, I just want to be upfront. The elders and obviously uh, people account for money. I don't know how they see it, but I know they see it. Um, so, but the elders, the evangelists, periodically look at giving. I know Steve looks at giving because he's interested in shepherding people's hearts, and it's one of the signs of people, their faith starting to work. And, or he wants to know, or we've gotten the people, we say, hey, we noticed you, you know, you back up the giving. You're not giving, you haven't given in a couple months, or you've given once a month, like three months. Is everything okay? And then we found out that there were some serious financial needs there. Right? And we were able to give them help, get them with people in the church that could help them. Okay. But again, we've got to love each other enough to, it, it's just so worldly to not talk about anything that Jesus calls us to. Amen. That's right. We've got to be willing. And, um, you know. Who, you guys? You guys will never know it's because the elders and the evangelists will take care of it. Unless we sit down with you with it. Let's say it's your discipleship partner. Maybe we'll say, hey, to one of the leaders, hey, can, you know, just check on so-and-so. Is there anything going on? More often than not, it'll be the elder or one of the shepherds or Steve Ryder that's talking to I mean, again, our policy here is I have a personal conviction about tithing, a tenth. That's my personal conviction. I want to make that clear. At least tithing. The Bible calls us to a sacrifice. For some people, tithing isn't a sacrifice because they have a lot of money. For some people, you know, 7% is really a big sacrifice. Okay, so, I mean, Jesus, the example of the woman with the copper coin, she gave more. I mean, she gave 100%. So, I mean, I just want to make it clear that my personal conviction, and when I sit the Bible people, I let them know, and I let them know why it's my personal conviction. 
And basically, my personal conviction because of Matthew 23. That's my personal conviction. Because when Jesus says I should do something, then I think it's probably best if I do it. But that's my personal conviction, and I'm okay with that. Like I don't feel like Nicole has to have that same exact conviction. Nicole has to have the conviction to sacrifice. Gertrude, when she leaves this study, has to have the conviction to sacrifice. Whatever that is for her. And that's between her and God. And and again, my job is to do what God calls me to, to present the scriptures to her, to call them, to call her to that scripture without um, without judgment and without hesitation or any compromise. What she does with it is up to her. Because we're accountable. If we can't be accountable here, guys, I would rather be accountable here, okay, to Jen, Daddy. I'd rather Jen correct me here than have to stand before God because nobody called me out of my sin and then I'm never repented of. Yeah. Okay, we are, we are, I remember one time when one of the region leaders said, okay, so, you know, here's what we're going to go for. We're going to start, you know, being accountable. How do you guys feel about being accountable for baptizing one woman and one man every month? Some people really struggle with that. Oh, it's old school. We're going back. Oh, my gosh. I was like, bro, uh, no disrespect, but I'm accountable to a higher calling than you. So you can have whatever accountability you want on me, but I'm accountable to the Lord. So he already knows. So that stuff doesn't bother me. Right. I'm accountable to God. So if you want to hold me accountable on something, I'm completely fine with that. And we don't have to be perfect to hold each other accountable. Otherwise, we'd never hold each other accountable to anything. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the bottom line, we just need to be willing to love each other enough yeah. to help each, help each other in where we fall short, to stay on the narrow road, to not swerve. If, if Nicole sees me going to the right, then she goes, hey, Jackie, you're going on to the right here, get over here. Okay, that, that's what we're talking about. All right? Amen. Let's pull down 1 Peter 4.10. Lisa. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various ways. So, Gertrude, I see that God has gifted you in many ways. I see you as a leader. You already at work. You, you're a manager. You, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we're going on. Now, Gertrude has so many amazing qualities when she does. That, that's Davida. Davida is hilarious. Davida makes me laugh. Davida is fun to be around. Davida is a great leader. Davida tells it like it is. I love it. And, um, and Davida and I, when we're in the world together, we get a lot of trouble together. It's very easy. But um, I don't know who we leave to. I need to be locked. <laughs> I need to be locked. Um, but that, this is a time where I mean, I really, you know, give them a kingdom dream. Give people a kingdom dream. And sisters, if you haven't thought about what your kingdom dream is, um, you know, there's a group of women in uh, out in the White House Church, elderly women, that they can't really do a whole lot. But you know what they do every Sunday? They get together and pray for the church. Amen. I mean, I think sometimes men do more than anybody else is doing. Right? I mean, no, how much prayer is too much prayer. Right? And so while what they do is during service, they go pray for the service, for all the people visiting, for God's word to be, I mean, be preached, all that. My mom does this and is part of that group. It's amazing. We all can do something. Mm-hmm. And remember, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? Nobody's role is greater or better than any others. All right? 
So even your little bit you think you have to give, or maybe it's not, you know, like we look at Peter and go and Paul and go, I can't. Not everybody can be a Peter and a Paul. Well, amen. Probably nothing would have got done. Right? Too many chiefs. So I think we've got to be, uh, let's just, like we talked about, let's celebrate our differences. Because together we're so much better. Together we are made so much better than apart. And let's really help bring out the best in each other and use our talent. I'll tell you real quick, if we are giving the best of ourselves to the world, then we're messing up. Okay, so we've got to think about that. Are you giving the best of yourself to the world? All right, it's time to close out. I would just ask you this, just to really contemplate this. Um, if you don't think being committed to the church, showing up, giving, seeking the kingdom first, is instrumental to being faithful, building your faith, staying faithful, all we gotta do is look around and all the seats empty in this place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Preach that. So uh, all those who are not here today, those who left the church six months ago, a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, where are they today? Where are their marriages? Where are their dating relationships? Even at their best, they are if they haven't already, they are in danger of losing their salvation. Jessica, can you read Hebrews 10, one, two, six? I know some people who've left and said, I just need to take a break. I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. And when I've asked them to show me that, nobody's been able to show me. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment, of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Okay, that's a creepy scripture. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's in the Bible. Yeah, amen. If we deliberately keep on sinning, read that, go back and read that in context. All right, so let's let's get in the habit and let's get in the habit of deliberately not sinning. How about that? How about we try our best <laughs> to repent quickly, to be open quickly, and to not sin? And um, let's help our sisters, those that aren't here. Again, I know we're on Tuesday nights. I'm not down on those people at all. I know that we should switch today, but if we all know, you know, the sister you have in your mind right now. It's consistently not here. We need to um, call them back to the thing that they made at first. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the kingdom. Thank you that you made it so clear where our treasure needs to be. All of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, God, that we're loving with all of that. I pray that if that's a place we will stay and get to and uh, repent and fight for. God, to always be in that place where we love you more than life itself. So yeah. that when we're called to the commitment that you called us to, God, we, we know that there's only blessings that follow because of your because of obedience. We love you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sacrificing. Thank you, God. That in all these things that we've talked about tonight and the weeks past, it's really what you want for us, not what you want from us. It's what we get out of living the way you call us to live that really makes this life even worth it. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Um, Again, for sending Jesus, for sacrificing your best, for withholding nothing from us, for loving us so much that you long to be in a relationship with us. You long to, to, to hear from us. You long to, to love us and, and gather us in your arms. Thank you for that, God. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.